Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly Forex podcast in which we dive deep into the issues and trends in the world's largest financial market. Uh, The Mexican peso and the Canadian dollar, they are the ones in the FX spotlight this week as Donald Trump promises to tear up NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, and build that wall on the Mexican border. So, what effect is US protectionism already having in FX and will it last? I'm Roger Blitz and with me to discuss NAFTA and US protectionism is Stephen Gallo, FX strategist at Bank of Montreal. Stephen, what's happening with the Canadian dollar and the Mexican peso in this tumultuous week for US protectionism and NAFTA? Well, your opening line was the impact that protectionism has had on FX so far. Overall, it hasn't had a huge impact on the FX space, broadly speaking, because we're still waiting. We're still waiting for policy signals and clear elements of the Trumpian policy stance. But as you rightly point out, the Mexican peso, there has been an impact there. It's substantially weaker, largely because of the uncertainty and the assumption that Mexico will be a target of some of these policies coming out of the Trump administration. Yeah, strange old uh, week, though, because on Wednesday, when Trump was saying, right, here it is, I'm going to build this wall, Here's the end of NAFTA. The peso is up 2.5% against the US dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, it's come a long way already. And our 12-month view on dollar MEX is lower towards the 18, 18.5 level. It's currently trading around in, in the low 20s. So it, it already is very cheap, the yeah. peso. I think the one point I would make clear, though, is that it's in the interests of both Mexico and the United States to come to a deal quite quickly. The deal is likely going to allow the U.S. to reclaim, to be better off as a result of it, and Mexico slightly worse off. But no deal whatsoever will mean that both sides ultimately, over the long run, are probably worse off. The Mexican peso staying this week keeps Mexico ultra, ultra competitive. And the more uncertainty there is about how extreme the Trump administration will be, the weaker the peso stays. And that actually defeats the purpose. It defeats the goal that Trump is trying to achieve, which is to reduce some of that Mexican competitiveness and bring production onshore. At the same time, if Mexico doesn't play ball, well, then there's the issue of remittances. Now, remittances being cut off could have a substantial hit to growth in Mexico. So it's in, not in, in either party's interest for these talks to go sour. True. But Trump holds the cards, though, doesn't he? I think for the time being, you're absolutely okay. right. Yes. So that's the pace. So what about the Canadian dollar, or the loony, as we like to call it, in mm-hmm. effect circle? So how has that been faring, and, and how will it come out of these NAFTA revisions? Canada, in the very short run, is balanced. And the reason that the Canadian dollar is balanced is because, on the one hand, crude oil is holding up yeah. above 50. It's not doing phenomenally well, but it's Canada's holding above 50. Yeah. Yeah. Energy sector is about 10% of Canada's GDP. That's the first reason. But that is offset to a degree by expectations of further Fed tightening. So the rates it's, divergence is going to be massive. Between Canada and the United States. So that's what Canada is doing right now. But I think that key element of this is how does Canada stand going into these NAFTA discussions? And I think the main point is that relative to Mexico, Canada, in the Trump administration's eyes, will probably be a relatively small offender. The Mexican trade surplus with the U.S. in 2016 was two or three times larger 
than the Canadian trade surplus with the United States. And I think, actually, if you look at the goods trade surplus in Canada, it's around 70% below its pre-crisis peak. So Mexico is going to be largely the target of criticism. Back on to Canada, the loonie has actually been tracking the dollar quite surprisingly. Uh, The correlation has been probably its strongest for about six years, which suggests that they stand to benefit from Trump fiscal stimulus plan. Yes, possibly. But the other key element of Trump's policies we don't know about are the Ryan plan for the border adjustment tax or huge cuts to the corporate tax rate in the United States, which which forces more production to be brought onshore and would be positive for the dollar anyway, even if it didn't bring lots of production onshore. So we don't know that element of it. There are two elements in terms of the Trump impact on the dollar. One is what happens to the corporate tax code. And I mentioned that. And secondly, is what about NAFTA? In the NAFTA side of things, Canada is actually looking okay. The reasons I gave were, you know, Mexico's hyper competitiveness at these levels of the peso, but also in terms of unit labor costs, the size of the trade surplus in Mexico relative to Canada. Okay. We haven't mentioned the really big uh, protectionist uh, target potentially is China. And Trump promised that uh, China would be named as currency manipulator on day one. Well, we're on day four. So has he gone off the boil or do we still think it, it might happen? Or is he just getting the NAFTA business out of the way first? I think we're waiting and watching. Both sides are waiting and watching. Remember, it's a key year for President because there are elections in the Politburo and the Standing Committee of the Politburo late this year. And then, of course, there we have a lot of uncertainty on the U.S. side as well because we don't know exactly what these policies like. Main message on dollar RMB, China and the United States, is that as far as the currency is concerned, China and the United States are probably more aligned today on the currency than they were prior to Trump winning the election. It's a bit of ironic, isn't it? Quite possibly, but actually when you hear my logic, you might not think so. At the moment, I think the simplest way to put this is that neither side wants a massive move higher in dollar RMB. The the U.S. doesn't want a rapid appreciation of the dollar, even though that they accept U.S. policies may lead the dollar stronger over the long term. That's the first part. The second part is that we know... China doesn't want a rapid weakening of the RMB either because they've taken steps so far this year and they've shown us that they can stop the the, the weakness. I'm beginning to conclude that you think that a big NAFTA revision is not really going to happen. It might be tweaked and that a trade war with China and the US, that's not going to happen either. We think the common sense will prevail throughout the arena in FX and in trade policy. Okay, what does this tell us overall in conclusion, Stephen, about US protectionism or rather US trade? How is the US going to manage? It seems like the big wide, big trade packs, multi-country trade packs is over. So are we going to see a whole series of bilateral trade deals, which is going to be very time consuming, isn't it? It may well be very time consuming, but, you know, keep in mind that we're coming from an ultra globalized, ultra liberal world to begin with. So it's very likely that those bilateral agreements will gain a lot of common sense based on the okay. agreements that already exist. Well, hang on to the stat. But, but, yeah. but the bilateral agreements will allow for some fine tuning yeah. to suit individual okay. countries' needs. But, you know, look at it this way as well. The, yes, protectionism is dangerous to a degree, but we've already seen elements of supply chains weakening, production moving offshore back onshore in a number of countries because of things like changes in technology, the relatively high cost of labor as opposed to new technology, and so on and so forth. So the move towards more bilateral trade agreements, it's really going to probably accelerate something that was there already. And the simplest way of looking at it, or a simple way of looking at it, is that Yes, maybe global trade flows as a share of GDP will continue to fall, global trade as a share of global GDP, 
but you don't lose the output, or at least you don't lose all of the output simply because you're bringing that output and production back on shore. Sure. You're just changing the geographic and, and nature. And certainly nothing that's going to damage the U.S. economy. Not substantially. I mean, overall, I think you're right. Tweaks are base case for the U.S. tax code, U.S. trade policy, is that there will be tweaks along the way. Okay. My thanks to Stephen Gallo of Bank of Montreal. Next week, all eyes will be on the central bank meetings with the Bank of Japan and the Federal Reserve in the frame. Join us to discuss these and other FX moving events on next week's Hard Currency. Until then, it's goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com.